Hi, Marcus Pierce here. Exceptional Life Blueprint Live, my signature two-day transformational event, is coming to Melbourne for the very first time and you are invited. Join myself and a tribe of like-minded souls at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre on June 3 and 4. You will transform every area of your life from mediocre to magnificent and create a blueprint for your life purpose and career, your health, wealth, relationships, spirit and more. Early bird two-for-one tickets are on sale now at melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au forward slash couch. That's melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au forward slash couch. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christoph, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome on The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into your life. I'm Dr. Damien Christoph, and over the next three weeks, I'm going to be bringing to you three very special episodes from experts that I interviewed at the Biocytical Symposium in Sydney only a few weeks ago. I learned so many great things. I learned about vitamin K, I learned about SIBO or SIBO, and I had a great experience with a lovely lady, uh, Dr. Denise Furness, and we spoke about fertility and infertility and genetic mutations and a whole host of amazing things. I learned a lot from these three interviews, and I hope you do too. These interviews were conducted uh, live, in person, in Sydney. I didn't have Lawrence and I didn't have Brett, but uh, you can tell they're there in spirit. I hope that you get lots from these interviews. I got lots from them, um, and and I expect that uh, there'll be great feedback from them too. So if you do love them, let us know and uh, leave some comments in our Facebook. Open up some chats and uh, let's let's get this uh, story told and engage um, everyone that you know in these amazing interviews. Take care, guys. Hi guys, Damien here again, all by myself. Lawrence and Brett have no idea I'm here in Sydney at the 5th Biocuticals Research Symposium and uh, you've been listening to the exclusive interviews that I've been getting and uh, and this next interview will absolutely fascinate you. We're going to be talking about vitamin K. Now, for most of us, vitamin K is something that we don't know much about. We don't talk about much of it in Australia, um, but Dr. Hognovic is uh, a world leader in this and uh, and I'd, I'm very, very excited about this interview. So, Dr. Hogdavik, it's great to have you here and it's great to be uh, listening to you and learning from you. So um, tell me, tell me more about you. How did you get into studying vitamin K2? Number one, thank you for inviting me to this uh, interesting talk. I hope it will be. I'm sure it will be. So uh, I've been uh, more or less dedicated to be a physician from birth. My father is a physician and they, the name they gave me, Hogna, that means in fact to take care of. So that was the oh, starting point. Yeah. Wow. And uh, how I met with uh, vitamin K, that was, as always, with an incident. And uh, one of my friends said, Hogna, please read into this paper and find out if this uh, food called natto will be interesting for the Norwegian population. And uh, that was the starting point that uh, was uh, very early, more than 15 years ago. And then uh, it was uh, demonstrated that in Japan, where they have a special uh, food called natto, it was less fractions and less problem with osteoporosis in that area. And that was very intriguing. And uh, the other thing that uh, was important is that in Norway, we have uh, fantastic women. 
or my age all the time. <laughs> and uh, but but uh, the pitfall is that we are also on the top of fractions in in Norway. Even if we live healthy, we drink milk and all these kind of things. So therefore, it's really a problem with with fractions. And uh, then that was the starting point to identify that in this food natto, it's uh, K2. And then this K2 may be beneficial for a lot of people, also the beautiful Norwegian women. <laughs> <laughs> and the beautiful Australian women. And of course, men, so we're talking about fractures, osteoporotic fractures, and uh, and you've heard me talk in my power of food seminars, whoever's been to my power of food seminars, that it's common that in the countries that consume the most amount of dairy to still have very, very high rates of osteoporosis. And that the link between consumption of dairy and reduction of osteoporosis is not really there anymore. We're looking at other ways to manage osteoporosis including exercise vitamin D sunlight and now vitamin K has popped into the picture my first exposure to vitamin K was when my son was born and uh, and I was told that he needed to have an injection of vitamin K and I said look I don't really know if that's the case what's the story with that one at the moment <laughs> like, did, did babies new are they born deficient in vitamin K uh, vitamin K injections when you're born that uh, comes from initiate the coagulation system. Mm -hmm. So K means coagulation. And the molecule uh, vitamin K is a little different for the molecule vitamin K2. So so that is why we always associate vitamin K with coagulation. And in fact, some people got the Nobel Prize for that invention in the 1942. And it was a Scandinavian, one of the guys behind that invention very early. So that is uh, very correct, as you say, that is what we associate with vitamin K, Mm -hmm. K1. So so what uh, is important then is just what you say, that vitamin K2 is a different molecule Mm -hmm. that has totally other effects that we can talk more about. This is great. And so this is where information, a little bit of information can go a long way wrong because if you just called vitamin K, vitamin K, it'd be wrong. It's like calling a car a car. You might be talking about a Volkswagen Beetle uh, versus a Ferrari. We're talking uh, K2 here today and that has obviously different uh, therapeutic uh, impact. So vitamin K2, let's talk more about that. Um, Obviously, it was a discovery. The uh, the plant NATO, N-A-T-T-O, is found in Japan is it only found in NATO? Like, is there is there other foods that you can get vitamin K two from? Uh, if you go fifty years back and look into the diet we had in Norway, in Australia, it was quite different from what we have today. And one of the the main issues is. Uh, the blessing of the refrigerator and the freezer. So now we have fresh food all the time, Mm -hmm. but that also means that what we call fermented food is not that frequent in our diet anymore. So uh, for example, uh, when I grew up, uh, I had uh, a grandfather and he died when he was close to 100 years of age. Mm -hmm. And his uh, diet habit was to eat fish, to dinner, to breakfast, to all the meals. And in addition, he was very fond of uh, an old cheese. In, in Norway, we just call it old cheese. And that means this kind of cheese that had been fermenting so long. So if you put it on the table, the cheese can more or less walk out itself <laughs> because all this fermentation of the healthy bacteria. Right. So when I was, uh, was a kid, he, he then said, okay, Hogna, here we go. No, you have to take the cheese together with me. So, so then you see at, at that time, there were several 
special food that people had in different parts of the world with special taste and they got the fermented food and the secret is that in this fermented food vitamin k2 was a part of the end products of these healthy bacteria so then people got enough k2 in most cultures mm-hmm. that's fascinating so are we talking fermented dairy or we could be talking fermented vegetables like sauerkraut or kimchi uh, we, the main source here has been fermented dairy, mm-hmm. but also when you have fermented and, and stored uh, both meat, fish, other things, mm-hmm. they can have that. Mm-hmm. So, so this is uh, also uh, important to know that vitamin K1, you will get enough in, uh, in green vegetables. So it, even today, if people eat healthy, balanced, they will get enough K1. Mm-hmm. But uh, whatever you do and try to live healthy, you will never get enough K2. Mm-hmm. When we have measured this in different populations, we will in general say that more than 90% of the population in Europe, in US, and I guess this is the same for Australia, are deficient in K2. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure. We've all been so familiar with the supplementation and we've been chasing vitamins you know, forever. People do vitamin B, C, D, E, K, uh, not K, <laughs> they don't do K. But we, you know, we know that it's a fat-soluble vitamin, but it's not something that uh, we, pretend we would always uh, be looking for. So it's not something that we've been very aware of. So I, I think people listening to this can hear my excitement in this because we've got something new for a change rather than just bashing a dead horse, you know. So this is really exciting. So we're talking about fermented foods, but you've managed to be able to harvest it, I suspect, and you've been able to put it into a, into a form that people can actually supplement with. Is it something that people, like magnesium, people say that everyone in the, in the population is deficient in magnesium. You're saying everyone's deficient in vitamin K2. Is it something people need to take daily? Uh, the answer, the short answer is yes, and I can explain a little why. Uh, uh, the population all over the world, when we are healthy and look after ourselves, we get older and older. And, uh, and uh, when you look into two major elements that need to be in place, if we will get 100 years of age, mm-hmm. we should have strong enough bone and good enough blood vessel to give circulation and oxygen to all the tissue we have. Yeah. And, uh, and both these uh, tissues are dependent upon vitamin K2. Mm-hmm. I will tell you why. Because uh, K2 uh, has uh, the task to activate several proteins in the body and uh, the protein most important for the osteoblast, the bone uh, building cells, that, that is called osteocalcin. Mm-hmm. And uh, the body is uh, producing osteocalcin, but if this protein is not activated, it won't work. So that is why we need K2 to activate osteocalcin, and that means that osteocalcin again will help us to build bone. Mm-hmm. So, so therefore, if we just uh, focus a little on the bone part, then it's extremely important that we have enough K2 in childhood after you're born so we build strong enough bone because we have to live on this strong bone the rest of our life. So that is uh, the starting point. And when you come to the, the arteries, we also know that vitamin K2 will activate the protein called matrix GLA protein. Mm-hmm. And this protein... Uh, said in a more popular way, is more or less a a polisher of the inside of the arteries. Because in the arteries, we always have some small damages, Mm -hmm. and then the the body will try to repair that all the time. And during this repairment, you need uh, the platelets, you need the clotting factors, you need uh, uh, anti-inflammatory factors, and then very often you also store calcium inside this repairment things. So uh, matrix GLA protein will then secure that uh, the 
the finishing of the repairment is good and polish and take away the calcium. So if we have too little of this matrix GLA protein, you end up with calcification internally in, in uh, the arteries and then stiff arteries and then you end up with a heavy risk for cardiovascular diseases. Absolutely. This is great. This, I'm building up all these little cartoon images in my mind where I start taking vitamin K2 and I start to you know, look younger like you. So I wonder if that's uh, if that could be a secret elixir to life. One of the other podcasts that I do is called 100 Not Out, and I think I'm going to put this podcast on both the Wellness Guys and 100 Not Out because we are fascinated with ageing. So we look at the blue zones, we take tours to the blue zones, and we and we look at what these populations are doing that, um, that helps them live a long time. So we look at the the Okinawans, for example, and maybe they have NATO, I don't know, they're from Japan. Um, but I look at, say, Sardinia, and I look at Ikaria uh, in Greece. Now, I, I know they have cheese, I know they have bread, and I know that they're eating some fish, and maybe they have a little bit of legume, but not very much. They're drinking some wine, they live a pretty healthy, relaxed, happy life. Do you reckon their vitamin K2 is up high? Is that part of their secret? I'm convinced myself that K2 is a major part of this uh, story. And, and that means that uh, it's not only to, to live healthy all the time, you should have fun as well. Yeah. And that is why I say that uh, in order to secure that we have the bone and the arteries, then you have at least a, a toolbox that can help you to have fun a long, long time. Uh, but again, if we go back to this, this K2 story, it, uh, I think this is what will happen more and more, that uh, you identify some major effects of a vitamin or whatever, and then it ends up that that has an impact on a lot of other tissues as well. So now I've been talking about what we know and what we have documented quite a lot. And uh, I will also stay a little with the documentation behind my 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 strong statements yes. because uh, when I started with this work 15 years ago mm -hmm. it was uh, rather a limited amount of clinical studies mm -hmm. that means uh, studies uh, run in in human mm -hmm. and uh, through the company uh, we founded in Norway called Natofarma we have invested uh, more than uh, uh, 20 million uh, Australian uh, uh, dollar in research and uh, uh, the outcome of the most important uh, study was uh, in, uh, in uh, women, postmenopausal women, uh, and we followed them for three years. And, uh, and uh, the way we did it, that we had one placebo group and one group that received 180 microgram uh, Menaco 7 every day for three years. And uh, what we were especially uh, following was uh, the impact on the bone structure with X-ray, and uh, the stiffness of the arteries. So X-ray, not DEXA? The, it's called uh, DEXA, yes, right, that's, okay. that's correct. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but again, we then had pictures of, uh, of the, the calcium and also of uh, how the arteries look like. So, so the important uh, finding is that we uh, reduced the loss of bone strength and, uh, and uh, uh, bone density with 70% in this three-year period in, uh, in healthy women. Wow. So that means if you try to prolong that, that uh, if there is a risk for developing osteopenia or osteoporosis, we can postpone that disease with uh, 20 to 30 years. So that is uh, extremely important. Wow. The, and, uh, and for the arteries, it was the same that we know that uh, arteries normally with age get more and more stiff. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, that is uh, one of the reasons why people get higher blood pressure when they get older and also are more prone to have uh, atherosclerotic diseases and, uh, and uh, myocardial infarction. So here again, we follow these women of the age and average above 50 years. And after three years, the group of uh, MENACO7, they did not increase the stiffness. In fact, the stiffness of the arteries was reduced. And that is, uh, I've been working with uh, different things in medicine for more than 40 years. And this is the first time ever I've seen that we can reverse arterial stiffness. So then you just see that uh, I'm extremely excited just for what we can do to prevent diseases. But I think this will also be something we will use as treatment when we come further on in documentation of uh, Menaco 7, Vitamin K2. Mm. Oh my gosh, this is incredibly exciting. You know, for many years there's been a kind of like an absence of understanding of how we can reverse these disease processes, halt them, stop them. Um, but this sounds novel. It sounds like we might be onto something here. It's pretty exciting. I remember um, hearing once at a seminar it must be over 10 years ago that the fraction of fish oil the component dha um, taken long term has the ability to improve or i suppose decrease the rigidity of um, artery walls arterial walls um, but i haven't really seen much information or research on that um, and maybe i just haven't been looking for it either but could could it be that um, k2 combined with dha would be more effective could it be that k2 is way more effective than dha what have you found there then you are also touching about the other of my favorite uh, compounds. So <laughs> the, the omega-3 history is also a part of my history. I've been working uh, with, uh, with getting omega-3 registered as a drug in, in US and Europe and, and Japan. So this is intriguing. Mm -hmm. but, but I think that uh, when you look into all the, I will say, uh, environment of enormous amount of, of health products, so which should you pick? And, uh, and then uh, what I have been able to, to identify is that I need uh, omega-3 uh, every day and I need K2 every day. Mm -hmm. And when you come to, to impact on, on the arterial wall or on, uh, on uh, calcification of arteries, I think uh, DHA and, uh, and K2 have different mechanisms. But, but both uh, compounds are a part of the building bricks in each and every cell. Mm -hmm. So, so that is why uh, when you talk about natural compounds that we just uh, need to have sufficient of, we need both these. Uh, and then, uh, as I said uh, earlier, nowhere I talked about uh, what we know for, for bone and the cardiovascular health for K2. But there's also a lot of other interesting elements that we can touch upon. Because uh, when we are now running more uh, research and looking into mechanisms for K2, we have very interesting data popping up around several things that has impact for our daily life. So I will mention a couple of them. We can start with uh, one of the big health problems uh, in, the, in the modern world, that is development of diabetes mm. and metabolic syndrome. Mm. And uh, K2 absolutely is, is shown to have impact on the, the energy machine in each and every cell on the mitochondria. And, uh, and then we also come to insulin sensitivity and, uh, and uh, data that uh, is uh, so far not very convincing and not very big clinical trials point to that uh, if you have sufficient amount of K2, you will then uh, have uh, less tendency to develop diabetes type 2 and less tendency to put on weight uh, too early. Wow. 
That is uh, That's early research. That is uh, some pilot clinical research, mm. but uh, that uh, points to one uh, pos possible uh, use of this in the future as a drug. Mm -hmm. Uh, we also know that uh, just as DHA has an anti-inflammatory effect in, uh, in omega-3, mm -hmm. also vitamin K2 has an anti-inflammatory effect. That mm -hmm. is shown both in animal studies and also in some of the clinical observation in humans. And I guess that a lot of the diseases we have, an aging process, has to do that we have a, a chronic uh, inflammatory situation in the body, mm -hmm. meaning that uh, when you are going to repair some kind of damages in the arteries, in the joints, uh, wherever in the body, then if you have this uh, chronic inflammatory situation, then it takes longer time and then you also damage the cells and then you come up to the uh, eldering process. So therefore K2 also have a very important uh, part in this game to stay young and healthy and, and energetic. and uh, and, and uh, Within these uh, things, the third element I will mention is that uh, it's important not only to have bone and, and uh, arteries, you also need to have a brain that works. <laughs> and uh, when, you come, when you come to, to the central nervous system, there are also some uh, very interesting findings there. That may, means that uh, if I will stay around until I'm 100, at least I would like my mind to follow that. Yes. So, so that is uh, the third reason to continue. And so, so K2 is showing uh, benefit to maintenance of central nervous system function, cognition. Are, are we doing studies into dementia, anything like that? Where are you heading here, with that? Here, here it's, here it's uh, where, uh, when I'm talking as a very serious professor, I can't say that we know everything here. But, but when you see some observation pointing in that direction, yes. that is when, when it's so interesting to continue with the research. So it warrants more investigation. That's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah, and... and uh, and that is also, we talked a little about it before we started this uh, interview, that uh, w one part of my life has always been to have one foot in the, in, in the research environment with the university and the other foot in the industry trying to make good products. Yeah. And, uh, and just now, uh, Nato Pharma, we are involved in a couple of, uh, of consortia in uh, European research within K2. So it's more than... Uh, not more than it, it's four people working full time as PhD candidates on mechanisms for K2, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, that work means that it keeps me young to come up with, with new questions and follow the new findings, and it it generates new data that uh, will give us more knowledge how this works for diabetes, for for coronary uh, diseases, for renal failure. Uh, for all the things we have talked about. And this is why it's so uh, interesting to work with something that uh, also is more and more well-known. So by this interview, we also can have a little more focus on K2 and perhaps people will ask more questions and that also needs more answer and more research around the issue. Absolutely. It's very early, but it's uh, it's sounding very, very exciting. Now, um, you did mention, we spoke very briefly just then about Omega-3. <laughs> This is the question. Like, we've, you know, we've gone from a we're in the middle of a decline in people wanting to be paleo with their diet. We're finding now that there's a big shift towards a a very heavy vegetable-based eating program, which is, I suppose, tending more towards vegan. Um, you know, where there's where there's a swing one way, there's going to be a swing another way. That's just um, that's Newton's law. So if we think about that. Can people um, get enough omega-3 from plant sources? Do they need to have animal sources of omega-3 fatty acids? Um, what's better from an animal source? Is krill as good as 
um, other marine triglycerides, you know, such as anchovy or, or whatever else? What's the best source for us? Oh, so you want me to answer this for the yes or no? <laughs> We've got time. We've got time. <laughs> oh, this is not an easy question. But uh, as we know that if, if you uh, have people that have never seen the, the ocean at all and just have been living on vegetables, yeah. they survive. So, so yeah. you have the, the body is, uh, is very funny that way that it can adapt to the, the most special way of both diet and other things. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I'm uh, more than a little biased since I've uh, grown up with the coast in the north in Norway. But, but anyhow, I, I, I'm convinced that uh, marine food is uh, mandatory for for us all mm -hmm. so if we do not have uh, any kind of protein uh, source uh, it will be a problem from the body so it means that we should have some uh, proteins and then uh, fish uh, should be the pref preferred one mm -hmm. so so if i should pick one i will say that uh, good uh, fish oil mm -hmm. Is important when you come to uh, the dynamic between DHA, EPA, and you think we know that uh, both these unsaturated fatty acids have important uh, function in the body, but uh, EPA is more the anti-inflammatory part, and DHA is more the one that we we build uh, cells with all uh, all over the body. So you are dependent on both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, when you come to to if for krill and uh, and uh, fish oil. We know that uh, krill omega-3 is then a uh, phospholipid form, mm -hmm. making it, it more suitable for the cell membrane. Mm -hmm. uh, so that has that advantage. But, uh, but also krill is a source for omega-3, and the body is able then to utilize both uh, triglycerides, phospholipids, uh, ester, all these kind of omega-3 fatty acid, and they will form the fatty acid in the structure that is, is needed. So, so what I said, it's, it's similar sources there, and, uh, and it's, uh, it, it, has, it depends a little about the volume. So if you then really eat a lot of fish, you don't need any kind of supplements at all. Mm -hmm. And if you uh, don't have problem with uh, fish oil, I still think fish oil uh, is the preferred one when we look into sustainable things and, and all these kind of how we look after our natural resources also in the ocean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we're absolutely in agreement on that one there as well, which is uh, which is great. This has been absolutely fascinating, Hogna. I've uh, I've had an absolute ball. Um, given that uh, the websites you've given to me today to talk to people about, so uh, vitamink2.com.au and uh, medicu7.com.au, they're Australian websites. Is this something that's been in Australia for quite some time and we just haven't heard about it? I've been working uh, in Autopharma for, for more than a decade. So it's, uh, it's always at the time window when it's uh, come up with awareness of a certain level, then more people he hear about it. So, so my message uh, should be to, that uh, you should really look into if, uh, if you will uh, take advantage of K2. And the conclusion should be yes for most of you. <laughs> so, and, and, uh, and my uh, three uh, take-home messages should be number one, most likely you are deficient in K2. Number two, uh, we should take K2 from start to end of life. So that means that especially we adults that are concerned about health, we should secure that our children take it because mm -hmm. in the building phase of bone, they need it. Mm -hmm. 
Number three is that uh, both the diseases that develop with deficiency, both uh, uh, osteopenia and also the hardening of the arteries, come silent. So it's nothing that suddenly happens. So we, we have to take precautions and use this on a stable basis all time through. And then we can prolong our healthy bone and healthy arteries as long as needed. So that is the message. That's a great message. Just as we're closing, you did mention something, and I meant to ask you this question earlier in the interview. We've spoken about the use of K2 in the prevention of you did allude to the treatment of we're, we're talking about early research or early investigations you're seeing observations of could we be considering even though there's an absence of research could we be considering that k2 could be used in, in the treatment of osteopenia the treatment of osteoporosis um, um, calcification of aortic uh, or the aorta or aortic stenosis are we looking at that can we can we make that leap yet can we start to use it just in case uh, what today when I'm uh, the commercial guy mm-hmm. I can promote the use of vitamin K2 for prevention that's yes. o- that's okay that's allowed okay the other thing I, I can say is that uh, in Natofarma we are also working in, on a drug development program Mm -hmm. and we are running quite a lot of proof of concept uh, studies where we have higher dosages Mm -hmm. now we recommend 180 microgram per day as Mm -hmm. prevention Mm -hmm. when you come to treatment of patients on hemodialysis on on uh, people that have been through a cardiac attack before when you come to people that on osteoporosis then we we uh, use high dosages i can't say how big it should be but i'm quite sure that uh, in not that far future we will also have k2 drugs available that will either be standalone drugs or complementary to the best practice today mm-hmm. so uh, so I'm not allowed to promote it since we don't have the documentation, but, yes. I, but I will work as hard as I can that we should have these drugs available very soon. That's excellent. I nearly got him there, everybody. But uh, we've, uh, we've got some great information there, some great pearls. Um, he's certainly not suggestive, you know, Hogner's not suggestive that we um, make big leaps here. But it does definitely sound like vitamin K2 is a very novel vitamin for the future and it does show very promising um, benefit to the bone and cardiovascular system. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, Dr. Hogner, I'm very, very appreciative and so are our listeners of you taking your time today to share with us your knowledge and wisdom, um, excitement, enthusiasm, smiles and uh, engagement and fun uh, with us on our podcast today. So thank you so much, Hogner. Thank you very much for being here and good luck to Australian people. You should deserve to live very long and healthy. <laughs> there we go. So if you're listening to this on 100 Not Out, that's fantastic. Listen to uh, where you got to go find out more information. If you listen to this on the wellness guys, then of course, make sure you subscribe to us but uh, it's been a pleasure and uh, stay tuned there are more interviews from the 5th Bioceuticals Research Symposium coming up that's it for another edition of the Wellness Guys I hope you enjoyed this interview it's uh, been a pleasure uh, having these interviews and, and bringing them live to you from the symposium here at Bioceuticals in Sydney I've had a great time. I hope you've learned a lot. Now, make sure you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com, The Wellness Guys, and tell us what you thought of this episode. Please share the podcast with your friends and family and other strangers you think need a wellness update. And, of course, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, leave us a five-star rating. And give us a comment. We'd love comments. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives, lead by example, and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guys Show. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.